time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Pray together. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 6. All right, raise your hands with me and let's pray. Both hands, here we go. Raise them high. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you as disciples of yours. Father, we've surrendered our life to you. We've decided to turn from wicked ways. We've decided not to live for ourselves. We have decided to follow you. And God, we live in a culture and a generation that is so quickly going the other direction that we need you, we need each other, we need your word, we need your spirit to help us contend for the faith in our generation. And so God, in these precious moments that we have together, we ask that you would enliven our heart, strengthen us with might in our inner man, give us revelation from your word, help us, Lord God. We want to follow you with all that we have, not a little bit. God, we don't want to be partial in the way we come to you. We desire to be wholehearted. So spirit of the living God, do a fresh thing in us. I pray, Lord God, that tonight, young men and women would resolve in their hearts to follow you. I ask that you would woo them. And for those, Lord God, who feel depleted tonight, I pray that you would strengthen them. I pray that you would fill their hearts, overflowing with courage to follow hard after God. You are the one doing the work, and so we trust you and we love you. And DSM said amen. Amen. One of my best friends in high school uh, decided that he wanted to go to Hollywood. And uh, I decided that I wanted to be a pastor. And so we were best friends and hung out all through high school. He had a swimming pool, so I liked to be at his house a lot because my house didn't have as much cool stuff. Although I had two triplet sisters, and so all my high school friends wanted to be at my house all the time. Um, (laughs) Because they always said they wanted to hang out with me, but then I found them frequently flirting with my sisters. But anyway, and so uh, I would hang out at his house a lot. And, and I, I remember the conversation uh, just before we were about to head off to college where he began to talk about his desires for an exciting life, a thrilling life, an epic life, if you will. And we were talking about that. And of course, he thought it was rather boring that I was choosing to go off and uh, get a theology degree uh, in Kansas City. He thought that sounded a little bit boring compared to his great enthusiasm to go off. He was headed off to USC, University of Southern California, to go to film school, and uh, got accepted there. And so uh, he had, his parents had saved a lot of money. His education was going to cost him over $100,000, and he was headed off to California. And so we both went our different ways, and I went off to go do the Jesus thing, and went off to uh, get a theological education, and he went off to go uh, to film school, and he had grown up actually uh, doing uh, films. His parents had taken him to Hollywood. He was in Disney movies as a child, and so he had grown up in that Hollywood scene, and actually in high school was kind of taking a break from it, and so he knew that culture. He knew that world, and and, and, and so we kind of went off in our different directions, and, 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 and then a, a decade later, 10 years after high school, uh, I was leading a team with my brother Dan. We were headed over to Thailand. We went over right after the tsunami uh, hit. We went and took a team over to go just help out as best that we could in, the, in, the, in Thailand. And, and so uh, we, had, we had some teams that went and did tsunami relief. We had other teams uh, that went to Bangkok. 
and um, we had other teams that went and worked in prisons. And we were, ta- we were taking teams over to Thailand to go spread the gospel, to go care for the hurting. And uh, we had a layover at LAX in Los Angeles. It had been a decade since we, I had finished high school. And so I called my friend. On, we talked on cell phones and said he decided he'd meet me at LAX. And so we met in the international terminal. And while we were sitting in the international terminal, I had about, a, about three hours, actually, uh, at LAX. So we had plenty of time together to sit and talk. And we were hanging out and talking about high school. And we had seen each other just a, a little bit uh, in the last 10 years, sporadically. We had talked on the phone sometimes, but not had, you know, lots and lots of time. And, and I was telling him about what we were doing, and I was telling him about what we were committed to, and I was telling him what we were doing here at New Life, and how we were building this prayer movement, and we were believing for this youth prayer movement that would impact the globe. And I even told him some of my stories about going to Germany, and how I was believing for a prayer movement in this generation. I told him about our tsunami relief, and what we were doing. I had a bunch of kids with me, and so, and so I'll never forget the moment where we're sitting there. We're sitting across a table in a food court in the international terminal at LAX. Where he looked at me and he just kind of, with a, with a smirk on his face, he goes, you know, I, I came to California, went to LA, went to film school. I wanted to live the epic life. And he goes, man, Looks like you went off to Bible school and the whole Jesus thing turns out to be a little more epic than Hollywood. And, uh, of course, he was speaking specifically to his own story and my own story. And I remember just the, the moment of feeling the Lord just tugging at my heart, smiling. And just smiling at that reality that that is actually a biblical concept. Jesus said, actually, in Matthew chapter 6... He said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. We live in a culture right now where the temptation for you that's coming after you is the same that spoke to my friend. He's a dear friend. We're still close friends to this day. I just was texting with him last week. In fact, I'm going to see him. I'm taking my kids to Disneyland, and we're going to all go hang out together. So I'm going to see him next week. Two weeks. Three weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. I'm going to see him in two weeks. We're still close friends. But he and I both lived in the same culture. That said, the epic life is mostly about you. The epic life, the, the thrilling life, the life that you ought to pursue is mostly to be had in this short period of time for fighting for you. The war of the ages is over your heart. And you're going to make choices. And it really comes down to this. Will you pursue all the lies of the culture that say, live for you, live for you, live for you, live for self? Or will you follow Jesus? The thing about following Jesus is that on the front end, Jesus says, surrender. Jesus says, I don't want you to live for yourself. I want you to live for me. But Jesus says, but if you live for me, you watch. You'll be surprised by the way I will take care of you. By the way, I will, the word around Christianity that is, I'll bless you. The way that I will use you. The way that I will so fill your heart That living for self doesn't compare. A youth pastor friend of mine, youth pastor here at New Life, was telling me a story about how he was recently talking to one of you guys, to a teenager here at New Life. A young man, varsity athlete. And while he was talking to him, he began to talk to this young man about following Jesus. And the young man responded with this. He said, I would like to give my life to Jesus. He said, but here's my fear. My fear of giving my life to Jesus is that my life will be boring. 
He said, I, 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 I don't know exactly what it means to be a, a, a Christian exactly, but based upon what it looks like I see some of the kids around me, I don't want a boring life. And if you were to be honest, that's one of the question marks that many of you face. You're 16, you're 17, you're 18, you're 19 years old. And you think, hmm, maybe if I, if I follow Jesus, if I do the Christian thing, my life will be boring. Because you spend hours a day believing what you see in a culture that tells you a lot of different lies. So there's different lies that come through the media. There's lies that come from the enemy. The enemy's doing everything he can to try to tell you that following Jesus is boring. Because Jesus has made it clear to us. You can read the book of Revelation. You can read right through the Gospels. And you can see that the people that follow Jesus, they surrender all. But in the end, they win. In the end, Jesus conquers. In the end, you're either going to be on Jesus' team with him, worshiping him. And if you live for self, you self-destruct. When you fight for self, you slowly fall apart. And so you have choices that you make. Are you going to live for you? Are you going to live for self? Here's what the culture says. The culture says, live maybe this one for fun. Just live for what we would say hedonism. That means pursuit of pleasure. Live for fun. And maybe that looks like just sitting back, chilling, not taking any responsibility. Live Live for fun. Sit back. Eat a whole box of donuts. Spend hours playing Wii or Xbox. Spend hours a day watching television. Never ending games of Angry Birds on your phone. Be lazy. Don't work out. Don't pray. Don't study hard. Just... Chill, relax, veg, chillax, marinate, be nothing, live for me. Some people believe that lie. And you probably know people that live that lie. You probably know people that that idea has got into their head. It's another one that comes, and it's this. Live for adventure. Live for the most epic sport. Skydiving, rock climbing. Go risk your life. Just for the fun of it. Just for the thrill of it. Nothing necessarily wrong with it, but it's a half-truth. There's another lie that's out there. I see this one a lot. Not necessarily live to be lazy. Not necessarily maybe live for adventure. But here's another one that comes out. Live for romance. It's all about the one. It's all about you finding and some, and, 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 and some people try to look and in their confusion say, it's about one in romance. Others say, no, 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 it's not about one. It's about lots. It's about a lot of romance with lots of people. There's confusion. There's massive confusion. It goes, because in all of these, it's this quest. It's this pursuit of trying to find something to live for. Let me find something to give my life to. I need something. 
You and I have one life. We have one chance, one opportunity. Actually, in the scriptures, it says in Psalm 90, Psalm of Moses, it says that you have 70, maybe 80 years. In Psalm 39, it says life is but a mere breath. It's just over in an instant. You got one chance, one moment. So you'll have one opportunity, not four. Reincarnation is not true. You have one life. And you'll make a choice. You're making choices on how you're going to live that one life. At the core, all of these stories say life is about you. Romance? Well, what do you want? Adventure? What do you want? Chillaxin? What do you want? It's all about you. And that is the war of the ages. Because at the end, the question is not, what do you want? The fight for your life is this. Will you live for you or will you live for Jesus? That's really the core. The core is who you're going to follow. And if, if the enemy can get you wrapped up in all kinds of confusion, I sit with young people all the time at Starbucks, sit across from them, and here's frequently what I hear. You know, 19-year-old dude, usually he's, you know, a little kind of huffy-puffy, a little intimidated, kind of whiny, looks at me, and I'll be talking to him about Jesus' call on his life. And here's the phrase that comes back to me. I'm just so confused. And here's what he means by that. I'm believing lies. And I want to believe lies. Because here's the deal. If we can get into a, I'm just so confused vein. I'm just so confused. And if you can stay there, you can justify living for self. So forget God, forget church, forget mom and dad, forget friends, forget living with a mission. I'm just so confused, so I'm going to justify where I'm at. So I look at him with all the compassion that I can muster. I smile and say, shut up. (laughs) You want to be confused. You want to be confused because if you would just listen, Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is is not a philosophy that you have to go read seven books to understand. Truth is a person. Jesus will give you revelation if you want to follow him. But if you decide that you want to to try to figure out 14 different philosophies, not follow Jesus, you'll live in perpetual confusion. When Jesus passed by and talked to young fishermen, he did not say, go search out 17 different ways. And then if you still think I'm the good option, then come follow me. He looked at him and he said, right here, right now, follow me. That's the way that we read about in the New Testament. Today is the day of salvation. Listen, you don't have to live in confusion. You don't have to live in perpetual frustration. Who am I? What am I about? What, is, what, what kind of romances should I have? Who, how much fun should I, what, how much adventure, what do I, what? No, you got one life. 
you got one opportunity. The thrill of the ages is actually not living for yourself. The thrill of the ages is following the man who redeemed you, who sits on a throne, who is coming to you. He's coming for you. He loves you. He delights in you. He died for you. He rules and reigns forever. And if you will lock in with that, this idea that we're talking about over the next few weeks, YOLO, you won't look at, I only live once. Let me live for myself. Let me soak the marrow out of life by living with perpetual hedonism. I want to live for me. If you come to grips with the excellency of Jesus and surrender your life, instead, you'll walk away with this. I have one life. I want to follow Jesus. I have one life. Not, not how little can I give, Jesus. It's how much can I give. Not how few years can I give, how many years. Not how little time, how much time. Jesus, how much can I give? There's two different kinds of people. Those who, when they face the reality of God, say, how little do I have to follow you and still make it into heaven? It's a bankrupt way of looking at Christianity. People do it all the time. What do I have to pray? What do I have to say? How sexually perverse can I be and still make it to heaven? How much anger can I live with and still make it to heaven? How, how much church do I have to do? That's a miserable way to live the Christian life. I don't think it is the Christian life. That is selfishness and sin covered up with church talk. The only way is you, I got one life. Jesus, I have one life. And with this one life, I'm giving you all. It's John Egan's great song that many of you may or may not know. It's, it's that song where he declared the desperation song that says, this is my life. I'm giving it to you. It's a statement of surrender. This is my life. I'm giving it to you. And here's the crazy part, 15-year-old. Here's the crazy part, 16-year-old girl who is so wrestling with these ideas that you believe the lies of the Disney romance cartoons since you were a child. Only Jesus, only Jesus is worth giving your life for. Giving your life for yourself is ultimately ashes. Go hang out in nursing homes and talk to Christians. Ask them. Ask old people, how would you live differently? And they will not say, I wish I would have lived for myself more. They say over and over again, I wish I would have lived for something other than myself. Why? Because you have within you a God-given desire to give yourself wholeheartedly to something. And living for yourself ultimately leads you to ruin and ashes and pain. But the crazy thing about Jesus, the crazy thing is he says, tell you what, you follow me, you give all to me, you give me everything, and I will give you an epic life beyond what you can imagine. I'll give you reward. That was the conversation that I had in the, inter, in the international terminal. The conversation that I had in the international terminal was not, dude, you went to Bible school. I went to Hollywood. You crazy. You're living the, the, the lame life. I'm living the good life. No, the conversation was mysterious. How on earth is it? 
Why is it that there seems to be a blessing, something, something? You've got a purpose and a mission. What is it? I'm doing everything that the culture says to do. I've got, I mean, he's got Hollywood success. Lives by the beach, on the beach, actually. Should be happy. And he's going, there's something, there's something bigger that's going on in your heart. That's, that's more powerful. That's stronger. That's more rewarding. It's the very essence of what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount on Matthew 6, 33. Let me read it to you. Matthew chapter 6. Look at this, verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after those things and the heavenly father knows that you need them. But here it is. But seek first. Everybody say first. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So Jesus goes, not seek first the clothes. Seek first the food. Seek first the good life. He goes, seek first the kingdom and you'll be surprised. Whether it's in this life or the next, how I'll reward you. You'll be surprised how the, and all these things will be added unto you. You'd be surprised. Jesus goes, but here's what I want. I want your heart. More than anything, Jesus wants your heart. He wants your affections. He wants your desires. And so he says, I want you to come after me. I want you to love me. I want you to walk with me. But the crazy thing is, he doesn't want you to have the horrible life. He actually does like giving good gifts to his sons and daughters. So you seek first the kingdom of God and you'd be surprised. God will go, great, no problem, Diego. I want to bless you. I want to give you stuff. I want to help you. I want you to have a heart that's alive. I want you to have a mission for your life. And all these things will be added. Listen to the way that says it in the message. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you? Take pride in you. I love that. Take pride in you. That's my boy, John, down there. Ask my boy, Dan, take pride in you, do his best for you. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting. Not to be so preoccupied with me, get my stuff. So you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. That's our culture. People who don't know God fuss over these things. Give me money. Give me fame. Give me the good life. They fuss over these things, but you know both, both God and how he works. He, so Jesus is saying, but you know God. You know how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. And here it is. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. This, this average 17-year-old in our culture is scared to death they're missing out. Oh no, I'm missing out on the party. Oh no, I'm missing out on romance. Oh no, 
I'm missing out on another hour of Facebook and what's possibly happening out in social media world. Oh, I'm missing out on skinny jeans and wearing a scarf though I'm a man. Oh, no. I'm missing out. I'm missing out on you. Fill in the blank. I'm missing out on something. But I'm telling you, that's the rat race. If you live in that, that, oh no, I'm missing out. I got to get this. I got to have the girlfriend and I got to have, I got to be, I got to have everybody like me. And surely there's something, if I, maybe if I'm varsity and maybe if I have muscles, they'll think I'm cool. Maybe if I have a dirt bike, maybe if I can jump high, maybe if I, maybe if I get a 35 on my ACT, maybe if, 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 if they live with that angst right there, I'm missing out. And it's a rat race and it never ends. And it's how the enemy keeps people preoccupied and distant from God. Oh no! If I just dressed right, I'm missing out on the good wardrobe. Oh no! I'm missing out on a good vacation. Oh no! I'm missing out on the good education. Oh, oh, ha, ha! And I'm looking at everything that you don't have. Listen, you've got one life. Why not give Everything to Jesus. Seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh Uh-uh. Maybe that's true for the church brat sitting next to me. He's kind of a nerdy churchy guy, but not me. Maybe that's true for this other kid. But no, you. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first Jesus. I'm talking to you. You with your head down. I'm talking to you. If you will seek first the kingdom. Imagine coming to the conclusion of your life when you stand before God and when you've given everything, everything. I'm not saying perfection, but you had an intention for wholeheartedness, an intention for everything. You know what my biggest fear in life is? My biggest fear is to stand before God one day to look back at my life and I had one shot. You only live once. I had one shot. Look back at my life and go, I didn't give everything. The biggest fear in my life is this word, six letters, regret. To look back and go, God, you gave me the opportunity to make choices on planet earth and I chose poorly. My biggest fear is to look back and go, oh no, what if? Friends, we want to live our lives where we look back and we go, no regrets. I gave all. No regrets. I I beheld the splendor of who Jesus was. I saw him. I walked with him. I gave him. I gave him my life at a young age. No regrets. No regrets. I gave everything. You can give all. No, David can't give all. I'm only 16 years old. Shut up. No, David, I can't give all because I'm addicted to pornography. You can give all. No, David, I can't give all. I come from a broken family. You can give all. No, David, not me. Uh Uh-uh. You got all the reasons. You're just like the 19-year-old boy with the curly hair and the girl jeans at Starbucks that goes, I just am so confused. Why? Because you want to be there. You don't have to live in confusion, young man. 
Young woman, you don't have to live in confusion. You come to grips with the truth of the gospel, who Jesus is, and what he says about you. Imagine if you took on at 15 years old, all my days, I'm going to fall short lots of times, but the intention of my heart, 100%, I only got one life. I'm giving you everything. Imagine. I know. I know when you're 19, you fall short. I know when you're 25, you get in a fight, punch a guy out, got to come back and repent. I know. I'm not talking about the attainment, the attainment of perfection. I'm talking about the intention of wholeheartedness. I'm talking about the intention that says, God, in my heart, I want to follow you. I don't look at my children. And when my, when my, when my eight-year-old right now, Dawson, my eight-year-old, there's a huge difference when he falls short and when he could care less. If he's trying, if he wants to be obedient and he messes up, I am filled with compassion. I put my arm around him. I go, Mwah, you're good with me, buddy. Mm, oh, he's actually like right here. By the time he's 11, he'll be taller than me. But, but if he is the other way, if he's just like on purpose rebellion, that's where I have a problem. But it, same with your father for you. If your heart is, I'm in with you, God. I know I'll fall short, but I'm in. I want to be obedient. Here's the thing. Historically, there have been young men and women that have sought God with all their heart from the days of your youth. We, we read it all through the scriptures. John's been a youth pastor for 40 years, right? 50, 20, 10, right? Have you known kids? John's seen kids. John's seen kids who, as a, at a young age, I've seen kids who at age 13, I've seen kids who at age 12 did a 21-day fast and sought God. Today, they're in their 20s, seeking God with strength. It's possible. It's not a pie-in-the-sky talk. If you want it to be, then you go, oh, I'm confused about it, so I'm going to justify living in lethargy and apathy, living for me. I don't care how weak, how broken, how broken of a family, how much stuff. If you, 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 I'm talking you. That's what David says, Psalm 71, he comes to the end of his life. And David, at the conclusion of his life, Psalm 71, 5, he goes, God, he's talking about when I'm old and gray. He goes, God, I've sought you from the days of my youth. Ha! Can you imagine that being your confession when you're in the nursing home, no teeth, there's a person next to you that's really old too. Both of you are watching Jeopardy and your prayers before God. Tears coming down your eyes as an old woman, old man going, God, I've sought you from the days of my youth. Way back in 2012 when I was a part of DSM, I was young and crazy, but I committed myself to you. Now it's 2085. And, and you'll be old going, those crazy teenagers today, they wear boy jeans, you know, like you'll be, think they're weird. And imagine if your confession, God, I've sought you from the days of my youth. Since I was a child, since I was a kid, since I was a teenager, I've been pursuing God. Imagine if that's alive in your heart. 
when you're in your 70s and you're old. So Paul says, I love Paul's confession. Paul, he didn't follow Jesus as a kid. In fact, he was persecuting the Christian church. Acts chapter 9, boom, Jesus appears to him. Go, follow me. Stop persecuting me. Who are you? I am Jesus who you persecute. Sorry. I'm in. What do you want me to do? Take the gospel to the Gentile world. Yes, sir. Boom. Not a young man. But yes, sir. Then he gets to the end. 2 Timothy 4. Coming to the end. He's already written what we come to know as two-thirds of the New Testament. He's already started churches. And I love his confession. You know it well. He comes to the end. He goes, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the race. You know what I think is crazy about that language? It's not Christianese cute. (sighs) Well, I went to all the potlucks at church. I didn't watch the bad movies. I wore Christian t-shirts for 30 years. No, when Paul comes to the end, he uses warfare language. It's a fight. I fought it. It's a race. And scholars know that Paul's speaking of the, the great Greek games where the best athletes would come. And it's like what we would know of the Olympics today. Sweat, work hard, give their whole life in dedication. And he says, I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. You've got one life. Not two. No do-overs. You've got one life. Imagine. What would happen if we, DSM, us, in this tent, Colorado, what would happen if we, just the people in this room, said, God, we've got one life. It's yours. I'm not going to live for self. I'm not going to live for me. I'm going to live for you. We stand with me? Tonight, no sweet music. No talking, please. Before, all the, before the music starts, no eyes closed. I'm desperate for some warriors. I'm, I, you know what? When John says, I want you to bring 15 friends, you know what's going on inside of me? I'm going, I don't know. I don't know if we have that kind of tenacity. Maybe some of us do. Maybe Chase does. Maybe Jed does. I, I, I don't want to play games. I don't, wait, listen, you know, the last thing, the last thing we want to do is just, is just have this be talk and rhetoric and sing some songs and say we belong and YOLO and eat some popcorn and die. We we believe this stuff. We believe that we've got one life. We want to pour it out.
and to give it all to Jesus. Tonight, I'm asking. I don't care if you've been following Jesus for a day or a decade. If tonight, you go, I have one life and I want to re-sign up to give all of my life to God. Everything. My junior year, this year, I see everything. I don't want to get caught up in all the lies, the romance lies, the lazy, lackadaisical lies, the living for me lies. I surrender. I surrender. That's you, every eye open. No cutesy moments, no goosebumps, just raw <clears throat> courage. <clears throat> Once you come down here, and I want, I want to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for DSM. I thank you for these warriors. Father, we surrender our lives to you again. Broken, weak, but sincere. Believing it. Holy Spirit, we pray for supernatural strength. We, I ask that you would give each one of them courage. That they would not believe the lies of the enemy. That they would seek first the kingdom of God. We put you first, not second, not third. First. Be number one. Number one, God. give it all to you, God. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did, because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart, they've got passion for God, they're leading intercession on their schools, they're set apart, consecrated under God, and they've got a vision and a mission for their life.